services. Good to see each of you here this morning. I know we have several of our members that are traveling, and it looks like we have several visitors as well. If you're visiting with us, we thank you for being here, and we invite you back to worship with us again. Just a reminder that today we will not have our regular 6 p.m. evening services. Instead, we'll be meeting back here at 1 p.m., and then for next week, uh, New Year's Eve, next Sunday, just a reminder that there will not be a potluck, uh, but we'll have our regular 6 p.m. services. So just some changes with the, uh, through the holidays here. Also, just a couple reminders. Uh, if you would, silence your cell phones at this time. We'd appreciate that. And also, if, uh, just a reminder to pick up a Rome journal if you haven't done so. If you pick one up on your way out. has all of our upcoming news and activities. Dave will be announcing those at the end of our worship today and also has a uh, list of all those in need of prayer and also just uh, remind you to uh, to reach out to our shut-ins. I know this time of the year through the holidays and uh, the shorter days and the cold weather can be can be difficult for all of us but especially for those that are shut in so I know a phone call or a card they would appreciate that. This morning, as we prepare to enter our worship services, I'd like to read just a couple of verses from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Lord, thanking you for this first day of the week that we can be here to, to worship you. Father, we thank you so much for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us. We thank you for your love and for your grace and mercy. And most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for his life, for his death and his resurrection. And we thank you, Father, for the hope that we have through him. Father, we ask your blessings upon our time here this morning that you will be with us pray that everything that we do will be pleasing unto you. Father, we pray for those that are unable to be here today, that are dealing with health issues, those that are listed in our bulletin, those that were mentioned in class this morning. We pray for each of them. Pray that you will heal them, Father. And, and Father, be with our shut-ins, those that are unable to be here, those that are unable to get out and, and uh, have different challenges that they're facing. We just pray for them. Pray that you will comfort be with them, Father, and pray that we will do our part in, in reaching out, knowing, letting them know that they are missed. Father, we again thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. And we, Father, we pray that um, you'll forgive us when we do fall short. It's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Please stand for this first song. First hymn this morning, number 732. We praise thee, O God. 732. <clears throat> we praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love. For Who has shown us 
Next hymn this morning, number 781, Wonderful Story of Love. After this hymn, Brother Chad Judge will have our scripture reading and prayer. Wonderful story of love, tell it to me, wonderful story of love, with me and all our friends, angels with pressure and Scripture reading for today comes from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, 
but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now. Thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Father, we, we thank you for all the many blessings that you have given us, this building to come to worship you and, and comfort and warmth. Father, we, we do pray for all the ones that are on the prayer list, all the ones that are in our minds and our hearts that are, are dealing, dealing with many different issues, cancer and health issues and loss of loved ones. Father, we just pray that you will be with them, strengthen and put your loving arms around them. Father, we do pray that what we do here is well-pleasing in your sight and is according to your will. We thank you for John and leading us in singing. Father, we do pray that we, when we take the Lord's Supper, that we will have our minds and hearts around your thoughts, around Jesus and his great sacrifice. Father, we thank you for Chris and the message that he's going to bring us today, that we will take it to heart and be better Christians and be more loving Christians in your sight. Father, we do thank you for Jesus and his willingness to come down to be sacrificed for us and for our sins. We thank you for all your many blessings that you do give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Next hymn this morning, number 726, We Saw Thee Not. We saw this
Tomorrow is Christmas. It's the day that Christians set aside to have a specific remembrance of the birth of Jesus. And that's a good thing. Christmas is a joyful time. But when it happened, there was a lot of fear in people. The verse Chad read for us this morning, Joseph was afraid when Mary became pregnant. And the angel of the Lord had to appear and say, do not be afraid. Luke 2 tells us about the shepherds. When the angels appeared, the shepherds were terrified. And the angels had to say, be not afraid. We bring you tidings of great joy. The joy in Christ's birth is not in his birth. It is in his death and his resurrection. But we have to be reminded that that resurrection is also a joyful event that punctuates the birth and life of Jesus. Matthew 28 says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. That is the true miracle. That grace, that love, that salvation that we win. So as we take this bread and this cup, let's remember that, that joy that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you thankful for your son, for his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, for that sacrifice that you and he made, for the pain that he suffered. And the joy that we can experience, Father, from the love that you and he showed for us. We pray that we're mindful of that, not just now, but every day, Father. And we pray that we take the blessings that you give us and we use them in a manner that spreads that joy of Christ's salvation. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Let's pray for the cup. Father, we come to you again, mindful of the cup and the blood of your son that represents. Father, we pray that we take this cup with the right mindset and the right heart, Father. And we thank you for that blood that was shed on our behalf. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
tomorrow many of us will give and receive gifts from loved ones, just as the Magi did to Jesus on his birth. But it's important as we do so to remember that all gifts are blessings from God. And as we receive, we are expected to give in return. So this opportunity here at this point in our service is a chance to give back to God. It's a chance to allow the financial blessings that each of us have received to go to work for the Lord. So let's pray with our thoughts on those blessings. Father, we come to you now mindful of all the love and the blessings you bestow upon us, Father. And we pray that those blessings that we have received are used to fulfill your work. And we pray that this church, this congregation, uses those blessings that are given back for your work in a manner that is in glorification of your name, furtherance of your will. And bless each and every one of us, Father, as we give and as we contribute to that work. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 482. Oh, listen to our wondrous story. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat>
Invitation hymn this morning, number 369, Jesus the Loving Shepherd of the Christian. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and be turning to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. In 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, in verse 11, Peter talks about this concept, um, the end is coming, we know that Judgment Day is, is coming. They don't know when it's coming, of course. We don't know when the second coming will happen. Um, but Peter says that the whole world will be dissolved. It's all going to be burnt up. And so he, he introduces this concept in verse 11. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, he introduces this, this concept where he says, What manner of people ought you to be because these things are true? So that's, that's the question we're ask, asking today. Since God is with us, what manner of people ought we to be? How should we act? How does His presence in our lives change us? Isaiah chapter 7 is where we, where we need to start, of course. Isaiah is the one who prophesies about Jesus' birth. There in verse, starting in verse 10. Ahaz is king over Jerusalem. He's king over Judah at this point. He is uh, from the line of David, but he's not going to follow in David's footsteps. This guy's not a good king. He's not a righteous king. And in fact, he doesn't really seem to care about what God says. He's got a problem, though. He's got an enemy that's coming up, and, and it looks to him as if this enemy will overtake him. And God's going to promise them, in fact, He's already promised them, that, that that will not be the case. This enemy will not overtake him. He will not um, be defeated by this enemy. And so He offers Ahaz a sign. Ask anything you want, Ahaz. Remember Gideon, of course. Gideon, throughout the, throughout the several hundred years in the past at this point, when Isaiah is prophesying, as, uh, Gideon says, well, if, if you... If you're really with me, then the, the, the sheep's fleece that I throw out will be wet and the, dry around it, the ground around it will be dry. And the next day he says, well, I, I know that sign came true, but now I want the, the fleece to be dry and the ground around it to be wet. And then I'll really believe that you're with me. God is offering Ahaz something like that. In fact, he's offering Ahaz whatever sign Ahaz wishes, God will give him. To assure him that this, this enemy that's coming won't overtake Jerusalem. So he says, ask whatever you want, Ahaz. Ask whatever sign you wish, uh, and I will grant that sign. Ahaz has an interesting answer to that. He doesn't, he doesn't take God up on the offer. It's not because of his righteousness. Um, he, he simply refuses because he's not going to believe God no matter what sign he gives him. But this is the sign that, that the Lord gives to Ahaz. Listen, listen to it here in Isaiah chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. He's already put the Lord to the test by not believing. This is uh, a mockery of righteousness and uh, in Ahaz's, um, his statement here is a mockery of, of true faith. 
Verse 13, he says, And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. This is not talking about Jesus. Not until Matthew tells us it's talking about Jesus in the New Testament. Right? This is about Ahaz. This is about these two kings that are throwing Ahaz into a tizzy. He's terrified of these two kings, thinking that they're going to overtake Jerusalem and Judah. So this this is a, a sign for him. And so what's the sign? Well, before a young lady can get married, have a child, so now we're talking a year or so, 10 months a year, and then that child grow up to the point that he knows that he likes honey and curds, we would say, by the time he likes, knows that he, he likes cake and doesn't care for uh, carrots <laughs> or Brussels sprouts, by that time, you're not going to have to worry about these, these two nations. So we're talking two, three years or so. From the moment that Ahaz is given this sign that he doesn't ask for, in two or three years' time, Ahaz, he's going to be able to look at where these two nations that he was so afraid of used to be, and they're not going to be there anymore. They'll have been taken care of. They'll have been removed. God has removed these place, these peoples. Uh, he's, he's deserted their lands. He's destroyed their kingdom. So that, that's the sign. Now, what I want you to focus in on is that, that Emmanuel word. That's what Matthew focuses in on. And he focuses in on this sign. Um, like we said, this is for Ahaz. And, and it's really talking less about a child and more about a time frame. Two to three, maybe even four years um, before the child knows that he likes certain things and doesn't like certain things. For Ethan, that took about six months. But uh, for, for, I think for this prophecy, it's, he's probably talking a couple of years. But focus in on Emmanuel. And fast forward to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, the passage that, that Chad read for you this morning. Matthew takes that Old Testament prophecy by Isaiah and he says Isaiah was ultimately talking about Jesus coming in the flesh. God was finally going to be with us. That's a life-changing statement that that ought to that fact ought to alter everything. It ought to change all your priorities. It ought to change your mindset. The fact that God came to be with us ought to change everything. And so, as Matthew walks us through what Isaiah's prophecy really ultimately meant, that Mary was the virgin, that Jesus is the child that he will be born, that his name will be Emmanuel, that he will be God with us because he'll save his people from their sins. Ought to change everything about us. So today we're looking at two things. 
that His presence in our lives ought to cause us to do. He really is, He really was with us, physically born here. That, that is a historical fact. That fact changed history, but it ought to change you. Don't, don't take history as... Don't, don't get so focused on how it ought to change the world, on how His presence ought to change the world. Focus in on how it ought to change you. Flip over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul speaks to the Roman church here. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. His presence in your life ought to transform you. If you claim to be a Christian, His presence ought to transform you. It ought to change you. Just like the, the caterpillar gets changed into a butterfly, this metamorphosis that is so stark, so different, so incredible, this transformation ought to be characteristic of your own life as well. His presence transforms us. What does that look like, though? Well, Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8, he says that, he says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not, a, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we're not, we're not saved because of our good works, right? We're saved by grace through the power of baptism. He, he transforms us. He, he cleanses us. He washes all that sin away. But we're not saved because of a good work. We're saved by grace, but good works are a manifestation. It's a reaction to the grace that we've been shown. I don't get to be saved and then not have a reaction to that. Right? I, I don't get to uh, inherit all these incredible promises, including heaven, including salvation, and not have a reaction to that, one, a reaction uh, of, of incredible gratefulness. Gratitude ought to be that reaction. And when that gratitude hits my heart, what do I do? My knee-jerk reaction, my automatic reaction is to bless other people. Ephesians 2. We're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We walk in these things. One of the ways that you know that You've been saved is, what does Jesus say? Because of their love, right? 
He changes everything. At least His presence in us ought to change us completely. People ought not to recognize you anymore. When someone from your past, before you became a Christian, meets you and, and you start talking to them, they ought to say, what happened? What happened to you? Because this is not the same person that I remember. And you say, well, Jesus got a hold of me and, and everything changed. He, he transforms people. And now I'm, I'm set on Him. I'm set on His priorities. I, I do what He would have me to do. In fact, in Galatians 2, 20, Paul would put it like this. <coughs> I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because he died, I live for him. Because his death paid for my sin, my normal and natural and 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 automatic reaction is I live for you. I give everything over for you. I'm yours. Completely, wholeheartedly transformed. I'm not the same anymore. Now my priorities are different. I do everything different. Emmanuel, God with us, His presence in our lives changes everything. It has to. If it hasn't, if His presence hasn't changed us, something's wrong. There's been a missed connection. It's like, it's like, trying, to take, it's trying, it's like trying to start a car without the starter in the car. You're not going to get anywhere. The connection's gone. If His presence in your life has not changed who you are, there's a connection missing there. This is what His presence does. It transforms us. Galatians 5, it's not just actions either. This, he, he changes our hearts. He changes who we are. He changes what we want. He changes our personality. Have you ever uh, known someone, um, maybe that you're in a group of friends, and you'll be talking about one friend, and you say, well, that's just their personality. Jesus changes personalities. Listen to what he says in Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to, Jesus, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. He says, you took all those things, who you were before you met Christ, and you nailed those things to the cross, and now they're dead, and you don't go after those things anymore. It'd be like carrying a dead body on your back. You don't, you don't do that anymore. That's foolishness. You left that behind. Don't you go back to it. You've been transformed. You've been changed. Now everything's different. And you live your life for Him. But it's more than actions, isn't it? It's a change of heart. He changes who you are. At your core, He changes you. And you begin to, throughout your life, grow in these fruits of the Spirit. These things are not natural. You're not born with these things. You work 
on these things. You, you, you drill these things into your heart as you mature into Christ, as you allow Him to transform you more and more into His image. These things show up in your life through hard work, through His work in you. These things show up. So He transforms us. At least He should. And if His presence in our lives has not transformed us, something's wrong. If we're still living for ourselves, if we're still doing mostly what we want, something's up. If I'm only after what I want, He hasn't been transforming me. Something's going on. There's a misfire. There's a misconnection in there. I've missed something. I'm not devoted. His presence ought to enliven us, too. It ought to make us passionate people. This morning in our Bible class, uh, we were talking about uh, Exodus 19. When the, when the folks were standing there, the Israelites were standing there at the base of Mount Sinai, and God puts uh, all these barriers in front of them. They, they can't touch the mountain, but He wants them to want to touch the mountain, right? He, he needs them to be passionate. This passion for Him ought to overflow. It ought to fill every crevice, every bit of their being, and it, it enlivens them. It, it makes them passionate. It makes them forget the consequences and leap toward Him. That's what He's hoping for. I, if we can use that language, I don't, I don't know how to phrase that because He's God, He knows what's going to happen, but that's what He's, that's what he's hoping for. In, in Exodus 19, when he sets up these barriers against the mountain, he puts security up there. He, he's envisioning the mass of people that just want to be close to him. And they want to be close to him at all costs. No matter the consequences, they will be close to him. And so he's envisioning this moment where they rush the mountain and people, his security guards, have to, have to keep them back. That ought to be the kind of passion His presence in our lives awakes in us. It ought to wake us up. It ought to enliven us. It ought to make us so passionate. In Psalm 51, <clears throat> you find David who remembers King Saul, doesn't he? He remembers his predecessor. Saul was the first king of Israel. David's the second king of Israel. They overlapped. These two men knew each other. At one point they were friends. But God took his presence away from Saul at some point uh, toward the end of Saul's reign. And David watched it happen. And it literally drove Saul insane. And now David has committed a sin very much like the rebellion that Saul did against God. And David in Psalm 51 is terrified that God's going to take his presence away from David. In, in, uh, in Psalm 51 verse 11, he says, cast me not away from your presence. Don't, don't, don't throw me away. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes 
you not to be done with me. In fact, in Psalm 51, verse 10, if you'll look back there, that's where he says, create in me a new heart, Uh, something that's brand new. He's not asking God to remake or renovate his the heart that he was born with, he's asking him to throw that one away because it's so riddled uh, and and messed up and um, unprioritized that he needs something brand new. You see, the lengths to which David is willing to go to be near God, whatever the consequences, whatever the cost, I will be close to you. I need you in my life. This intimacy that the Israelites back at Mount Sinai, at the base of Mount Sinai, the intimacy that they pushed back against, David says, I want all of it. I want all of you. Very much like Moses. When he looks up at Mount Sinai and he sees the storm that is gathering up there. And he sees the lightning and he hears the thunder and the ground is literally shaking. Because God's presence is up there on top of the mountain. And God's inviting Moses to go up there with him. What does Moses do? He does not shrink back. He starts trekking up the mountain. And he does it three or four times in Exodus 19. Whatever the cost, whatever it takes for me to be close to you, Lord, I will do that thing. And I'm going to ignore the consequences. Whatever the cost. In Acts chapter 5, you see a couple of people who are not treasuring this relationship that they have with God. These people are Christians. Christians. Priscilla, or not, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they are Christians. They've been bought by Jesus' blood. They were baptized. They were immersed. They had their sins forgiven. And now... They don't treasure this relationship that they have with him. And so what do they do? Well, they make light of it. They take advantage of it. And they ultimately pay the price. But what I want you to see is the things that you don't treasure begin to splinter, don't they? Think about your marriage. If you don't treasure your marriage... Does it thrive? Doesn't, does it? If you ignore your spouse, if you treat them lightly, that marriage begins to falter, doesn't it? Think about your best friend. If you treat them lightly, you don't spend time with them, never talk to them, you act like it's a, it's a burden to be around them, what happens to that relationship? It begins to falter and splinter, doesn't it? Same thing's true with God. The more time you put into this relationship, the better it will grow. Because He wants this intimacy with you. He wants it. In fact, He's, he's done everything He can to have the, the intimacy with you. He created us for intimacy. He created us for relationship. You were never meant to live life alone. In fact, you were meant to live life together. That's why he created Eve, so Adam could have someone that he lived life with, so she could have someone that she lived life with. 
but mankind was created so that we could, should have a yearning, a longing for something more than each other. So that we have a longing for Him. So He's done everything He can to have this relationship with us. In fact, He couldn't have relationship with us because of sin, right? That's why there's barriers at the base of Mount Sinai. Because of their sin. He can't have relationship with them. So distance is demanded. He can't have intimacy with them because of their sin. So he looks for a way from the beginning of time, before creation was ever done. He had a plan in place to bring us back to himself. Jesus' death on the cross is the only thing that could allow that to happen. So he's done everything in his power to make this happen, to enjoy this intimacy with us. So the question becomes, how invested in this relationship are you? If God really is with us, and He is, how has that changed you? What have you done? Who are you now? Can you look back across the last five years, 10 years, 30 years, and see growth? Are you the same person now that you were then? Is your relationship with him better now than it was then? Because he transforms us, and his presence in our lives enlivens and makes us passionate. So if your passion is waning, there's a fix. There's a solution there. Listen to what he says in Psalm 34, verse 8. And this is ironic because this is exactly what he's offering to Ahaz. That Ahaz turns down. I'll give you a sign, Ahaz, whatever you want. What, you name the sign. Whatever will make you believe in me. Because remember, Ahaz is not who he ought to, who he ought to be. He, he's far away from God. And, and Yahweh is using this opportunity to say, you ask for a sign, and it would be whatever you want. But I want, when you ask for that sign and I deliver on it, that to bring you close to me. That's, what he's, that's really at the heart of what he's asking Ahaz here. But Ahaz won't have it. He, he won't demand the sign. And he won't believe it anyhow. He won't trust in God anyhow. Listen to what he says in Psalm 34, verse 8. And this is for you. He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You put him to the test. You try him out. You taste and see. You, 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 you try out the Lord. And when you see that he is good, when you see that he's worth leaning into, when you see that he can be trusted, you take refuge in him. You follow devotedly, passionately, with everything you've got. You put him to the test. But when you find him true, you follow him with everything you've got. And you don't ever look back. Don't give up. You keep 
pushing closer and closer, harder and harder into him. You latch onto him. And you don't let anything pull you away from him. So, his presence in our life, him being with us, that's a historical fact, right? But it ought to mean something to us. It has to mean something to us. It has to transform us and it has to enliven us. It has to make us passionate people who are willing to ignore the consequences of following him and latch on to him with everything we've got. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus would say, flip over there real quick. I want you to hear his words. Luke chapter 9. Verse 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would lose his, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? All the things that we passionately chase after that aren't him. He says, oh, that's trash. Oh, that's rubbish. It, it's going to cost you your soul. All these things that aren't worth leaning into. There's no, you, you shouldn't trust these things, but we do. He says, you pick up your cross every single day. You deny yourself every single day and you latch on to him. You pick up your cross every day and follow after him. So is that where you're at today? Are you ready for his presence in your life to mean something? To mean more than something, but to mean everything. If that's where you're at this morning, baptism is the answer. A relationship with him is impossible with sin. You have to get rid of sin, but he has dealt with that in baptism. And at that point, our sins are washed away and we become a brand new creation, just like the one David was asking for. He wanted to be brand new. And Jesus says in the New Testament, that's only possible through the power of baptism. Today, maybe you've made that decision and you're struggling. We want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be, to be enlivened by his presence, to be transformed by the fact that he's with us. Today, if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing? Jesus comes on a shepherd, calling me down to come. Into the fold of faith, where the Jesus has been ruled. Come and bring Jesus, I
Good morning, church family. Oh, that's loud. Hope everyone's doing all right this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you can take a moment to fill a visitor card in front of you and place it in a black box in the, black, in the back, uh, we'd be happy to have a record of your attendance. Uh, it's so great to see so many families together here uh, this morning and, and all the college kids home and all the young, young couples here. Uh, so, so it's great to have you all here with us. Um, as Mike said this morning, that uh, there will be uh, no 6 o'clock service uh, today. Uh, there, we'll be having a 1 o'clock service. Um, also, um, next Sunday, there's no potluck. So next Sunday, there's no potluck, and usually we have our 1 o'clock service, but instead we're having 6 o'clock service. So that's next Sunday. I know that's, but so next Sunday, 6 o'clock service. Um, no one o'clock service. Um, and also we're having a, a game night that night to kind of bring in the new year. Everyone's welcome to come and hang out with us. Uh, what a great time to fellowship and have a good time. Um, also, uh, Wednesday is the last day. Uh, if you have a kid going to CYC to sign your child up, to go to Gatlinburg uh, for a uh, great time to fellowship, to sing, praise, praise God. Here are some great speakers in Gatlinburg it's for CYC. Uh, Wednesday is the last day to sign your kid up in order to get, in order to get the discount. Um, Blake is going to on a mission trip uh, through Harding to uh, Nicaragua uh, during spring break. Um, he's collecting funds for that. If you can help out with that, uh, be greatly appreciated. Um, I got some great news. Um, uh, Andrew Miller and Savannah uh, were married Tuesday, so that's great news. Um, so, yay, uh, you know, that's great. And, um, and, and Hunter and Kimmy were engaged this month as well, and Katie and some other guy that proposed to her. I don't know his name. Um, I'm joking, Chris. Um, Katie and Chris were engaged uh, as well this month. So that's great. Uh, it's great news to have so many young people uh, from Rome uh, getting married. Uh, it's great to see that happened. Updates on our prayer list. Um, Maryland continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus and Jim Martin and Jackie Hutchison in your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments at this time. Keep them in your prayers. Uh, I know they have a lot of appointments coming up next, uh, starting a new year. So keep them in your prayers. Continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well. Um, uh, continue to keep David Houck in your prayers. He's still having stomach issues. Um, he had knee surgery, but he's having stomach issues, and that hasn't seemed to go away yet, but he's at home recovering, so keep him in your prayers. Also, remember, continue to keep Amber Payne's uh, mother uh, in your prayers. She had surgery, and she's recovering, so keep her in your prayers as well. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 1 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let us please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 810, Jesus Loves Me. We'll sing the first and last verse, <clears throat> and after that, Brother Trevor Egner will have a prayer.
Father God, we thank you for the day and the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had to come together. And to hear your word, Lord, we thank you for Chris and the message you brought. Lord, may we always strive to transform into uh, better Christians for you. Lord, be with us during the, this upcoming week and uh, the activities and being with our families and celebrating the holidays. Lord, we thank you for your son that you sent. Be, Lord, be with those who are mentioned for prayer. Pray that your healing hand be with them, guide and direct them. Lord, watch over us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.